It's a blessing to be here, as always. I appreciate y'all having us, and we sure enjoy being with you. And I do pray with our brother that the Lord will meet with us this morning and teach us and bless us, exalt himself in the preaching of his gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we'll be. If you would, turn there please. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. The apostle ends in this final chapter of this letter this first of his letters to the Thessalonians with some very powerful exhortations to them. Um, He's corrected some things. He's taught them doctrine. He's established them in the faith. And then he gives these exhortations and a prayer that I think um, I pray will be a blessing to us this morning. Verse 23, In the very God of peace... Sanctify you wholly. Every word of this now is key, so let's read it that way. You know, um, I was thinking as as our brother read the scripture, there's a lot of reasons to be here with a, a, a bit of a trembling heart this morning and in awe of our of our God. And not the least of which is he says, I have power on this earth to forgive sins. He can forgive your sins if he wants to. He can forgive the sins of your loved ones. There may be somebody here that doesn't know the Lord. He has the authority and the ability to wipe all your sins away. And every problem that you have in in, in time and eternity is because of your sin. Not somebody else's, your sin. And he can wipe them away with the power of his word thy sins be forgiven thee there's mercy with the Lord that he might be feared the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that phrase, the very God of peace, is actually the God of peace himself. That word himself is key in scripture, and you see that in other places. He by himself purged our sins. And that's that's a clear that's that's pretty clear language. Uh, by himself he completely without any help from you, without cooperation, without compromise, without any advice even. Who who shall be his counselor? The very God of peace, or the God of peace himself, sanctify. Sanctification is God's work. God works in his people, there's two there's a two two aspects to the definition of the word sanctify and one of them is to separate from profane things and dedicate to God 
Now, there's a sense in which we do that. The Lord said, separate yourselves, be ye separate. Come ye out from among this godless world and be ye separate. And a lot of people say sanctification has to do with our works because of that. But remember this about that. God, it is God that worketh in his people both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's that aspect of sanctification. God did it. You're not even going to want to if he doesn't make it happen. To will and to do. So there is a setting apart of the saints in the sense of that definition. God does that. Holy. That's our scripture there. Holy. And then the other aspect of the word sanctification is to purify by expiation, to free from the guilt of sin. And we know what that means. That's, that's clear language. That's the gospel, isn't it? Christ accomplished that on Calvary. So you see why he says, God, may God himself, the God of peace, if there's going to be peace between you and God, God's going to have to make it happen. He hath made peace by the blood of his cross to purify by expiation. John said it this way in Revelation 1.5, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. These words, his own, himself, holy, himself, the God of peace, himself, your whole spirit body and soul. Paul makes this prayer in verse 23 now. Consider the context of this. He prays that, that God will do the work in you and for you that you cannot do yourself. And he says that after he tells you to do this and do that and don't forget that and don't fail this and it's right in the context of, and, and here's just a partial list of what he exhorts in this chapter for us to do. Do this. Don't sleep, but be watchful. He says that in this chapter. Don't, it's, it's high time to wake up. Be watchful and careful. He says this, put on the breastplate of faith and love. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. Put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Armor yourself. Defend this way. The devil can chew you up and spit you out like he did Judas, or the Lord, as he said to Simon, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. That he might not sift you as wheat. And here's how that happens. Your faith fail not. It's faith in Christ. It's belief in him. Believing him. That's the means by which God keeps us and holds us up. But notice these exhortations. Comfort yourselves together. Have you honestly done much of that lately? Comforted your brethren. 
cherish and pay attention, edify one another. Cherish those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Warn them that are unruly. Warn them. Now that's not everybody exposing everybody else's sin or you know, pointing fingers at one another. This is to be done by a pastor. This is... Uh, but, but those that are unruly, if, if there's a distraction, if there's a, 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 I don't like the word distraction. People say, well, that's a distraction. Yeah, a fly is a distraction. There's a lot of distractions. People use that word. I think it's overused. If you can't help but hear from God, there's not a whole lot that's going to distract you. You're going to hear from God. You're going to come and you're going to be glued to every word that comes out of, out of God's mouth. So we use that a lot. We blame that a lot on just our unwillingness to hear. But but if there really is a disruption um, to the worship, it's got to be dealt with. It's got to be dealt with. Comfort the feeble-minded. You know, we think of feeble-minded as maybe older folks that... that uh, you know, losing their edge a little bit like me. <laughs> uh, but that, that's not, I mean, that's people that are just been broken. This world has a way of breaking you. And I, when I say this world, I mean God uses it. Because most of us are, are better broken than we are not broken. Comfort one another. Comfort the feeble-minded. See that none render evil for evil. Follow that which is good. Pursue that which is good. How many good things are there in this world? If you just sit there and count them, what in this world is really good that God would say is good? Run after those things with all your heart. Rejoice evermore. Don't ever forget. It's a sorrowful world, isn't it? But don't forget who's running it. Don't forget whose hand you're in. Don't forget his precious promises. We know how this thing ends. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. These are all right here in the same context. All of this. Pray without ceasing. We depend on him. If we're going to have anything, it's going to come from him. Ask him for it. He said asking you, you don't have what you need because you don't ask for it. Did he not say that? In everything, give thanks. Well, that's tough, isn't it? These things are not possible without the grace of God. Without God working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Give thanks in everything. Thank God. God despise not the preaching despise not the preaching if, if the Lord sends you a man that preaches the gospel from this book and we're going verse by verse here this is not let's start here and let me tell you what I think that means no that's, that's not preaching 
Don't despise the preaching. <laughs> well, I know he said that, but you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. No, not if he's speaking for God, you don't. Prove all things. Test everything. Don't be gullible. Don't be carried about with every wind of doctrine. Be anchored and stable on the rock of Christ and his gospel. Hold fast that which is good. Pursue it and then grab hold of it like there's no tomorrow. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And in the context of of this book, that is doctrinally, primarily. That doesn't mean necessarily, you know, don't wear too short a skirt or don't, you know, smoke or things like that. Uh, We're not supposed to even, you know. Now that's talking about anything that smells like compromise. Anything that even has a whiff to it of of antichrist free will man-centered anything that's not in other words directly from God's word stay away from it people arguing about you know infralapsary and superlapsary stay away from that the word of God doesn't have anything to do with that the gospel that has nothing to do with how God saves sinners not one bit and other arguments that people get into. Abstain from all. Do these things. Obey these exhortations. Wake up. Build. Pursue. Embrace. But all of these are vain unless God does something for you that you can't do for yourself. Paul prays that God will set you apart for himself and preserve you blameless until the Savior comes back. What a beautiful prayer. After all the exhortations, you do this. You be careful. You worship God now. You serve Him. Honor Him in everything you do. But then, as we do that, we need God to make us holy. Because none of that is going to add to your relationship with God at all. Not one whit. Religion considers us doing all these things, obeying these exhortations to be sanctification. But Paul teaches here that when you've done all these things, you still need God himself to sanctify you. Holy. So it's not saying you do all this and then God will pick up the slack. No, you need to be entirely sanctified if you obey every one of these to the extent that it's possible to obey them. You still need complete sanctification by God through the blood of His Son. I think that's pretty clear here. Holy. Body, soul, and spirit. God must do that. Are we still trying to get glory in this thing of salvation? Anybody? It's clear to see that religion believes that sanctification is what they do because of the haughtiness of religion. The I, me, mine, the, the, it's up to you and everything depends on you and you have a free will. The bragging. 
the I know more than you attitude with which they preach and holier-than-thou facade that includes even the clothes they wear. A bunch of squirming maggots in religious garb putting on a show, putting on pretense. Is there anything more repulsive on God's earth than a slimy, disgusting, stinking maggot? Of course there is. A sinner. That's just a shadow of a sinner. Preserved in our text means to keep one in the state in which he is now. We fell in the garden and we will fall from grace today unless God holds us up. Just as surely as he holds up the planets and the stars, he must hold us up. We have just as much sustaining power over ourselves as a cold rock in outer space. When it comes to our relationship with God, Lord, don't let us go. Don't let us go. Preserved. Holy. God must wholly sanctify you. This thing of sanctification is not a matter of you doing your part and then God doing the rest. It's not you taking the first step and God doing the rest or or you taking any steps. This word holy here is a compound word which includes the word our Lord spoke from the cross when he said, it is finished. It means perfect. God's got to perfectly sanctify you. Not partially after you've done all this other stuff. Perfectly. Holy. He's got to do all of it. And, and consider this. We need to understand this about this. When Paul prays this prayer in verse 23, he's not saying, may God help you to do all of these things. And then that's sanctification. No, he's, he's talking about a whole separate thing here from you honoring the Lord in these things. So your sanctification is separate from that, but it's brought up in, in, in the context of that because when we typically start thinking about, oh, well, I need to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, we start thinking, well, you know, we've got to be pretty good folks, you know, in order to be saved. The reason for verse 23 is that that cannot, cannot be our thought. Verse 23 is not saying, may God help you to do all the things that we've exhorted you to do. Paul is speaking of a completely separate thing here. When you have prayed without ceasing, when you have pursued and laid hold of that which is good, when you've done all the best things you can do, the best that you can do them, there is something altogether separate from all that that needs to happen to you. Something only God in His infinite grace can perform. This sanctification here is not God picking up the slack or helping you out. God does not help those who help themselves. In fact, this gospel teaches that if you help yourself, Christ will profit you nothing. If you do anything to recommend yourself to God and count that as, as such, 
as improving upon your standing with God or your position before God, Christ will profit you nothing. So this perfect sanctification that he's talking about, he's making it clear that all of these exhortations, even if they're followed to the letter and all obeyed by you, that has nothing to do with your standing before God. He's reminding us of that. Your standing before God is something that God in Christ does wholly, perfectly as your substitute. And apart from Christ, your best works will be your damnation. That's verse 23 in the the context of all this other. This perfect sanctification is prayed for here specifically because it is the natural thought of the believer. When we think of our works now as a believer, as somebody who's who's in, sitting and clothed in their right mind, when we think of our works, religious antichrist free will Pharisees may very well feel secure when they consider their obedience in spiritual things. But not a believer. When a believer gets on the, that subject of obeying God, serving God, loving God, worshiping God, because of God's grace in us, And the understanding he's given us, our immediate thought when we think of of our obedience and our service is to plead the blood of Christ. The righteousness of our Redeemer to beseech him to do what we can't do. To be all of our righteousness. All of our sanctification. That's our text. I've never done a long study of the difference between spirit and soul. Some of y'all may know more about that than I do. It says body, soul, and spirit. But I think we could suffice it to say for now that God must perfectly sanctify and preserve us, all of us, every bit of us. Body, soul, and spirit, in the entirety of our being, he must sanctify us, make us pure, expiate our sin Remove from us our guilt and set us apart for his service. Blameless, the word blameless means what it sounds like. Unblameable, unreprovable, faultless, and we know how that happens. Unto him that is able to keep you from falling. (laughs) He doesn't just make it so that you don't fall he keeps you from falling in other words when he said to Simon he said I've prayed for you that your faith fail not what do you think would have happened if the Lord hadn't prayed for him in that regard that's what we're talking about here he keeps us from falling because that's exactly what we're going to do without his grace and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's what we're talking about. Lord, keep us, preserve us. Preserve us blameless. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who's going to naysay that? If God says, He's perfect in my sight, 
Who's going to naysay that? Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. It's because of who died and what he accomplished when he died that there's no, that we're blameless. We're just simply blameless. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, until our Lord comes, until may he keep you until he comes back. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ back to this earth is the mighty conqueror coming to claim the spoils of his victory. It's the Redeemer coming to take possession of the purchased ones. Listen to Ephesians 1.13, In whom also you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Thank God I'm bought and paid for, and he's coming back for me. He's going to come take possession of me, body, soul, and spirit. Verse 24, we'll... uh, I have a final thought here on verse 24 back in our text. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Again, remember the context. I want to be faithful in these things, don't you? I want to know how to pray and and, and do so with all my heart before God. What absolute blithering idiots we are if we don't cry out to God constantly knowing that He's on the throne of grace, that He works all things for our good anyway, all the time, and that He's able abundantly to supply anything that we might ask or even think. And He says you don't have it because you don't ask for it. Faithful is He. I want to be faithful to pursue that which is good, which is, of course, Christ, the things of Christ, the worship of Christ. That's all that's good in this world. I want to be faithful to all of those exhortations, but here's the gospel. Faithful is He. There's your comfort. Don't look to yourself and your keeping of these Wonderful exhortations. You're not going to find comfort there though. Here's the comfort of the gospel. Faithful is he that calleth you, that does something for you. You can rest there. There's peace there. Do these things but not as a yoke of bondage. Do these things, but not in fear. Do these things, not out of, not, not out of law, but out of love for the Savior. Remember when the Lord told the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane to watch and pray? <laughs> watch and pray as he's pouring out his heart and his very blood already 
under the weight of the sins of his people. What was happening there in Gethsemane? Well, we know our Lord said, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. There's just one thing that causes sorrow. My sin. He's already bearing my sin there. An unthinkable burden that's causing the very blood to, to pour from his brow. And he says to his disciples, watch and pray. And they're unable to do that. He said, could you not watch with me even for one hour? And then not long after that, he said to them, sleep on. Sleep on. It's enough. It is enough. Why would he say sleep on if he's told them to watch and pray? Does that not, is that not a contradiction? Not at all. Our Lord says, watch and pray. Watch with me in this one hour of all hours out of honor and worship. And he said, lest you enter into temptation. This is good for you. But to honor and worship him that one hour, not even that hour they could watch. Because of the momentous nature of the occasion, because of what he's doing for them. He's doing that for them. If you had to stay awake to claim a lottery ticket winnings, you'd stay awake, wouldn't you? We should wake up. He says that because we should be wakeful and watchful and vigilant. Especially when he says, with me. Could you not watch with me? We should work and strive and endeavor in all the things that we're exhorted to do and be here. But why then did the Lord say, Sleep on. It's enough when they fail to watch. Because it is just as important for us to understand that none of this depends on us. None of it. It is enough. What's enough? Christ is enough. Not only was He in the grip of of, of doing everything necessary for our salvation. And not only did we not have any part in that, we couldn't even watch Him do it. And it's just as important for us to understand that as it is to desire and endeavor to honor Him. Christ is enough without my cooperation, without my input, without my decision, without my will... He is faithful. He will also do it. That's our peace. This is why our Lord did not say, put my yoke upon you because nothing is going to happen today that you and I can't handle together. He said, put my yoke on you and you rest. You rest. Rest in His finished work. Rest in Him who does it all. God, give us grace to work, to serve, to love, to worship, but also give us grace all the while to rest in You. Amen.